How's everybody doing? Great. So great to see all of you here. And tonight we are officially halfway through the class. So here we are. Um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 through 6 tonight. That was our reading for the week. Um, we're going to jump into a passage that is one of my favorite. And we're going to talk about Jesus the preacher tonight. That's going to be our, our theme. Uh, before we get started, I know we kind of mix and match tables every week, so I love seeing you guys at different places. Some of you gravitate to the same table. I can see some of you, you've set at a different spot every week, which is awesome. So we could probably do a little personality profile on that. But um, I love that. And hopefully you're getting to know a few folks as well in the church, which is so fun. Um, so I have a dear friend with me tonight, Michael Hahn here, uh, just on this side of the room that's going to um, share his story tonight um, at the end of our class. And I think Jen is going to kind of be in and out. Jen is, um, yeah, there she is. Um, Jen is uh, doing her master's degree at Baylor right now. So she's in and out and has class tonight. So she might have to double dip in two different classes, two different places. But um, so you got me tonight um, and Michael as well. And, and I'm, again, on AV. So please be compassionate. Um, all right, we're going to start with another a uh, little, little opener video, just something to get you talking. And would love for you, um, this one's lighter, um, but would love for you to just watch and then just have a discussion around your table about kind of what you see and um, especially as it relates to Jesus. And, um, and also make sure to introduce yourself around your tables um, because we'll be around uh, with discussion a couple different times tonight. Okay, everybody good? All right, see if I can get it to play. Can everybody hear? What do you guys think? Let's go to table discussion and then we'll come back and jump into Mark. I know that 30 seconds in and out. Yeah, it's like a sink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, guys, one more minute, and we're going to come back together. One more minute. All right, guys, I'm going to call us back together. Um, always the worst part, I can't stand stopping conversations, but um, just for the sake of uh, what we want to do tonight, uh, let's come back and let's have one conversation now just for a couple more minutes and think about this prompt that hopefully you saw as you, as you watched the video and maybe thought about when Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you can't enter into the kingdom. I wonder just together, just for another minute or two, uh, maybe something you heard around your table or something you'd like to share with the whole group about uh, what the videos, you know, what spoke to you from the video and more importantly, this truth of, of not losing wonder um, and remain a child. Yes, John. That a heart's, uh, I mean, a child's heart is still wide open. Yeah. And they don't, they don't, they haven't formed any type of uh, stereotypes or anything like that. It's just, yeah. just, oh, this guy needs help? Okay, what we do. Yeah, it's great. Thank you for sharing that, John. Chris, I think your first impression is you're thinking about the total dependence of a child, and then the last sentence says that you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's kind of like, okay, whoa, that's a whole different standard now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think about that? What do you think Jesus meant? I think you should talk to another group now. It's great. How about it? What did you what do you think Jesus meant when he said this? It's it's, it's safe, guys. It's okay. We're just we're we're gonna we're journeying together here. Innocence of a child. Okay, innocent. Okay. Children ask questions. That's okay. You go ahead. Good. Somebody yeah. at our table said total dependence. Total dependence. Yeah. 
Fern, you were going to share something. Oh, I said um, children like to ask a lot of questions, and, and yeah. I think he, I think he wants us to ask yeah. questions. Yeah, they're curious. Yeah. they're curious. It's good. Yeah. Who else? Chris Irene said, "Put your spot." I love that. Chris, Irene said. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably what the disciples did. Jesus, Peter said. Yeah. I'm following the scripture. The reason I put her on the spot because she also said innocence. And, but yeah. I, I said, well, but he's saying to adults here, he's speaking to an older audience. So he says, unless you become like a child. So if a child is innocent, can we get our innocence back? Mm-hmm is the question that I ask. Mm. How do we get that back? How do we get that back? Yeah. So we said, I don't know. Good answer. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. We we did say there is forgiveness. Is that a piece of that? Yeah. So I don't know. Is it like the acceptance and the agenda? So like children sometimes will just accept what you tell them. Like, yes, that cookie monster is real. Like, he's real. Adults, with their knowledge and all their experiences, <coughs> can't be. And I think what Jesus might be saying is you can't come in with your own agenda. You can't come in with your own rules. Beautiful. You've got to, Beautiful. like, accept what I'm telling you, right? Just blind. Oh, it's like faith, right? You just accept it. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I don't know. It's good. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I would suggest that I agree that the children are completely dependent, but they're completely dependent on their parents. Mm. And they look to their parents. See a child in the mall, yeah. grabs the wrong hand, and he realizes he scrambles back to his parents. Mm-hmm. And I think that sense of knowing, being anchored in your parents. Yeah, there's a trust there. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. But I also think that children don't have filters. Right? Mm. They see the world in, in with no blinders, no filters. Mm. You know, everybody's the same. Everyone, you know, they everyone is. They love each other, you know, they have an open heart. We don't get our filter, you don't get your filter until you experience life. And children are so innocent and young, they haven't experienced life. So when they see something, they see people in need, they see an animal in need, they see, mm. they have nothing to compare it to because all they know is, I need to help that person, or I need to help this okay. animal. Yeah. You know? um, and I think to me, that's what Jesus wants us to become. Yeah. Take off our filters, take away our bias, take mm-hmm. away our opinions, and everything that, you know, has made our hearts hardened over the years. And, uh, and I've got a really hard one that, that made my age I am. But, yeah. uh, you know, children don't have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I thought about... Um, Last week, when we when we watched the uh, the man that was healed lowered through the roof, remember in Mark um, two, and uh, Nicodemus's face, that was a that was a face of wonder, um, where he saw something that he couldn't explain, um, and it was a it was a childlike for me it was a childlike expression of I I in all my knowledge and training and experience I can't I can't explain what I just saw. Um, but it's wonderful. Um, okay, thank you guys. It's a great, great warm up. Here we go. Um, let's go. Let's see. Let's go back and review. Um, so session one. Just again, if you're if you are a note taker, um, I just always want to review. So you're taking kind of 
What, what I want to do here is there's six classes and I want us to have six coat hangers, basically that we're hanging different stories, information, things we're gathering together in categories of who Jesus is. So the first class, we really looked at one verse, remember? Mark 1.1. 1, 1. Um, this is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. So we said he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God, and we had a great conversation about that and what that meant. And then last week we talked about Jesus, the, the prayer. Um, remember in, in Mark 1 when uh, Peter uh, finds him and he wants us to let him know it was him. Remember, remember Mark is scribing Peter's experiences in the Gospel of Mark. So this is really Peter's narrative. Um, so he appears many times in this gospel. And um, they find him praying by himself early in the morning. And we talked about that last week and uh, how that changes maybe our view of prayer, that Jesus prayed regularly uh, as the Messiah, the Son of God, and he still prayed. So it gives us a little bit of an insight into prayer is more than just a transactional, what I'm asking for and getting. It's, there's something more to it. There's some kind of communication, communion, togetherness um, with, with, with God. All right, and then we talked about Jesus the forgiver in our story from Mark 2 that we watched in The Chosen. And you know, when Jesus says, you know, is it, is it, is it more powerful or more important or easier to, to tell someone, um, you know, to get up and walk or to be forgiven? Um, and then to demonstrate his power to forgive, he, he heals that young man. Um, in the presence of the, of the Pharisees, okay? And tonight we are in um, chapters four through six, and we're gonna concentrate on chapter four tonight. So what we're doing is just, we're, we're reading together chunks of the scripture, but we're pulling out you know, a thread or a category, if you will. Um, tonight we're gonna talk about Jesus the preacher, um, and we're gonna talk about a, a very famous sermon or teaching that he gave in Mark chapter four together. Um, Okay, so before we jump in, let's, let's do a quick little reminder of our, um, kind of our boundaries as a, as a group of learners in the room. And by the way, I, I felt the air kick on, so if it gets, it's right behind you guys. So if this is too cold, just you can bump it up. Um, anyway, if, are we good? Yeah. No? Too cold? Okay. It's chilly, yeah. So controversial. It's hard. I know. Let's let's vote. No, I'm kidding. Um, all right. So we're going. Yeah. What would a child do? Um, we're going to be curious. We're going to be open. We're going to be interested. And just to speak life over you guys, you you you're all of these things and more. And it's so wonderful um, how you show up. Uh, we're going to respect each other, which we're. I feel like we're really doing. Um, that we're come from different backgrounds, different places. <clears throat> some of us have been following Jesus for a long time. Some of us have been following Jesus for a very short time. Some of us are trying to understand what it means to follow Jesus. We're in different places. Um, so I really feel like um, you're doing a great job of just respecting each other in that, and I love our common conversations. Um, we're going to be willing to be transformed and not just informed, meaning we talked about this class one that you know, the ultimate goal of our time together. Hopefully we learn a lot of things about Jesus. Um, but as we're talking about on Sunday morning and experiencing God, when Jesus prayed that prayer for each of us in John 17, three, that we would have eternal life and by knowing the one true God, the word know there means to experience, that it would be more than just head knowledge. That's important to know things about God, but to know God and experience God. So uh, that's what transformation really is, that it changes the way that I think, that I live, that I talk, and, and that's what we're after. 
All right. Uh, engagement, which again, thank you for showing up in the ways that you are and just being so engaged. Uh, I love that, you know, I don't like doing it as a facilitator, but I love that I have to break up the conversations um, that you're engaging with, with one another. Let's, uh, let's, you know, we talked about just resisting um, technology in the sense that if it's a distraction, I know some of you like to take notes on your phone or look up scriptures or you're using a Bible app. Um, no problem. And we're not going to judge you for it. Just, I would just say if we're, you know, if we're making grocery lists, you know, maybe just come back uh, to the room. And then um, we're going to assume positive intent and we're going to be non-defensive um, as best we can to have a posture of, um, of non-defensiveness. Um, okay, we good? Okay, do we need to add any or we feel like we got a solid list here after three classes? Okay, all right, well, let me know after if we need to add something. Um, okay, let's jump in. Jesus the preacher. What was Jesus's favorite topic to preach about? I gave you four categories. <clears throat> we could vote, or you could just call it out, or tell me what you think. God's kingdom. Love. Love. All of them. Think all of them. All right. So number one, you know, just in terms of of um, you know, topic counts, is he talked about the kingdom more than anything else. Um, interesting, he talked about money, the second. Uh, and I think those two go hand in glove in many ways. Um, not about needing people's money, but a, about the rival that, that money is um, to kingdom values and ethics. <clears throat> so as we think about Jesus the preacher, Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God, which is a new reality, you know, a, a, a different way of understanding, um, a different way of, of being. And we're going to get into that a little bit tonight in our text. So, all right, we've got a longer text tonight. We're in John, or, um, Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 20. So I thought maybe, so this, this, this um, teaching is really broken down into Jesus preaching with a group of people, as we'll see, and then explaining what he taught to his disciples. So I thought maybe we could get a reader for verses 1 through 9, which is the, the, the sermon, if you will, or the teaching, um, in front of a lot of people. And then if I could get a reader for verses 10 through 20 for his explanation and teaching later on in private with his disciples. How about Mark 4, 1 through 9? John, you're on it tonight. Yes. So once again, Jesus began teaching by the right shore. <coughs> a very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then as they sat in the boat, while all the people remained on the shore, he taught them by telling many stories of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant a seed. As he scattered it across his field, one of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they had planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Okay. Thank you, John. All right. 
Um, <laughs> second half, verses 10 through 20. Do we have a reader for that? Rebecca. Yeah. Or Jane. Yeah. Go for it. All right. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, guys. Okay, let's um, let's remind ourselves, like when we're in the scriptures, we're we're trying to do two things or three things, and I've got them up here on the screen, uh, just to remind us. And if you haven't maybe taken notes on these, these are good good things to write down. So we want to notice, or another way to say it would be observation. Um, we want to think about meaning. Another way to uh, think about that would be interpretation. And then we want to think about um, what do we do with it? You know, what is God asking me to do with what I have, have, have observed and interpreted? What, what, what do I need to do with it? Or another way to say it would be application. So observation, interpretation, application. Okay, so let's do this together. Um, just because we want to kind of model together what we're doing in private when we read the scriptures. What do we notice um, in our text? In this teaching that Jesus gave in Mark chapter 4, Verses one through twenty. Again, um, we're, we're, these are there's not right or wrong. We're just trying to observe and notice what sticks out to us in the passage. So let's uh, let's do that together. He teaches by the lake. Teaches by the lake. On the boat. Got into a boat. Any any just real quick on that. Any any thoughts about why he would do that? So they could hear him. There's too many too close to him. Sound amplification. Yes, that's right. Great, great observation. Okay, what else? He's a storyteller. Jesus is a storyteller. Yeah. It's good, Graham. What else? I think it's great that the... Uh gets in a boat because if they don't like his story, he can just leave. Just sail away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> 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 
Yes, a very visual story. This is. That's right. And and if, and and even more in that agrarian culture. <clears throat> yeah, very much understood. So, and I think, let's go even a little bit further on that observation, which is getting to a little bit of interpretation. But, you know, Jesus is constantly meeting people where they are. He's he's telling stories in their language. He's even. Um, you know, the New Testament is written in what's called Koine Greek. There's two different variations of the Greek language. There's classical Greek and Koine Greek. And Koine Greek is a common Greek. It's a, it's a kitchen language. It's, a, it's, it's what you would use around the table with your family. It's what you would write your grocery list with. Classical Greek is a high Greek, you know, form of Greek. It's, it's very academic. And the New Testament's written in Koine Greek and kitchen Greek in very common everyday language. So it's a great observation that he's using an illustration that people would be able to grab and understand. We're gonna see that as a preacher over and over and over again. And really, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about this one because, um, well, because I do it. And it, it, preaching is, is standing between God's truth and, and God's people. So, you know, you could just read the Bible and that's important, and you should, but the preacher is meant to embody, use words, emotion, um, you know, all the different senses. And we see Jesus do this in a masterful way, standing between truth and, and people. And he used stories primarily to do that. Okay, end of speech. What else do we, do we observe here? I think going off of what he said with, like, being story-like and telling stories, like, kind of comes back to being childlike and just yeah. kind of breaking it down into a way of like, hey, I'm not trying to make this complicated. Like, this is a simple way. Yes. Mm. Good. And at the same time, he doesn't totally interpret it for those people. Later he does, but he puts it out there. For the yes. He can manage to get it at yeah. a deeper yes. level. Which, great, great word, Libby, because he actually <clears throat> uses something so simple that it's almost hidden in plain sight for those who are bringing all their complexities and religiosity, they, they miss it. Um, and it's almost pa painfully simple. Uh, we'll get into that later on, his teaching with the disciples of how he, how he did that. What, what else? Observation. Can everyone hear? That, that there doesn't, didn't seem to be an expectation that everyone would understand. Mm-hmm. Good. What else? What do we notice? Observation. Just another minute on this. I think it was interesting after he did the parable and he was alone with the disciples, he would explain it to them. Mm -hmm. You know, even on their level, they didn't that they didn't understand and he explained it and I think he did it more than once. I think it's Yes. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Many times. I just noticed yeah. something, and I've heard this maybe 20 times, but I never really looked at this system. Farmer plants seeds by taking God's words to others. So it's kind of interesting because, you know, once you are called and become a Christian, you have the Great Commission. So it's almost like the farmer is spreading God's words. Right. So it's kind of, kind of interesting. That's good. So who's the farmer? To use, go a little further, who's the farmer? Is now, oh. the word of God. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Great observation. 
Anybody else on what we notice here? Anything else? One thing I would add is he, he gets their attention. And a good preacher like yourself, of course, is, is you got to get the audience's attention. So when he says in three, he starts off with saying, listen. Yeah. Right? So he quickly, just using that one word, it will get to me, it will get my attention mm -hmm. very quickly just to focus. Great. Thank you, Mike. Okay, let's move to what does it mean, uh, interpretation. And we talked about on this one, when you're reading on your own or, you know, in a small group or whatever, um, a study Bible can be really helpful. So if you need a study Bible, come find me, okay? And we'll make sure to get you one. Um, but you just want to get a good study Bible. And a study Bible is not going to give you every single uh, word and commentary, but it's going to give you high-level themes on, on what's happening from other scholars that have studied the passage, right? So it's just going to get you started with interpretation, the second category. But let's spend a little bit of time together. Maybe you read that this this week, or maybe you're just hearing it tonight. What do you what do you think about the meaning? How do, how do we interpret some of the things that are happening here? What about even the the soils, the different types of of soil? Yes. So a hard heart, a hollow heart, a worldly heart, and a whole heart. Yeah, great. Good job. Great. Okay, that's huge. What else? What, what about meaning, interpretation? <coughs> I wrote um, plant yourself and believe in fertile spirituality, rich environments that will reveal kingdom results. Hmm. Great. <coughs> Rebecca. Oh, yeah. He's standing on a boat, so like he wants people to hear him. Um, and he wants um, what he's saying to like start spreading around. Yes. Yeah. He wants to be heard. Bible pointed out that um, as a person, like you could find yourself in all four types yes. of soil. Like it's not a you're always rocky or you're always, it was like you could kind of go in and in out, out based on different seasons. For sure. That wasn't my own observation. Yeah, that was, that's I okay. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Yes, John. So, so that brought up a good point to what starting to tie this all together in, in week one we talked about he, he meets us where we're at mm -hmm. so he he actually over and over and over and over and over again he tries to um, plant a seed yeah. and it's eventually going to germinate mm. and grow and survive yeah. good. good or not hmm. or maybe it won't grow yeah. Yeah. There also doesn't seem to be any condemnation for whatever 
Yeah. Okay. Michael, do you want to say something? This is a great point. I wonder if this is not early in his ministry also. Yes. Yeah. Where he's trying to do what we would do if we were starting a church more across the street. We probably wouldn't go and tell everybody who got the message today, you're in, everybody else you're not. But it may be a fact of him breaking the barrier in that they never had a rabbi that spoke to them this way with this style of language, mm. the kitchen language. No one's ever said, uh, up until this time, it seems to me, if I read Jesus' stories and if I read the old book too, Old Testament, the, the Holy Scriptures, as their Jewish brothers call it, everything has been held in a loftier place in religiosity. And, and so that's that's what's going to get him into trouble later because he's putting cookie on the bottom shelf mm. and the religious right to <coughs> believe that he's doing mm. that. You don't handle those things like that. They're much more spiritual. Don't mm -hmm. you see how we dress and how we talk and how we walk and how our rules are? And so for me, I think that that's a great point, that there is not a lot of condemnation for those who are listening now, yeah. even the disciples, because they've been fishermen. They were trained at RTS or Gordon Conwell down the street. Yeah. They were trained in their dad's boat, yeah. saying, get the nets right or we don't eat and we don't get money. And so he's turning, once again, what does he do best? He turns things upside down. Mm -hmm. So I think he's turning everybody's world upside down here a little bit in a storyteller's way to say, watch what happens as we slowly rotate this and the meaning that I'm telling you now has different meanings. Mm -hmm. So that's why I believe there's no condemnation in the beginning at all. And there's not, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. So he's saying the payoff's coming later when you see who I really am. So that's okay, my yeah. two cents so, box, box yeah. story. I'm just yeah, wondering, good. like, good. is there some recognition in this too? This is going to sound probably a little. Is there what? I'm sorry? Some recognition? Because when I look at all the scenarios, like all of them except the first one, there's a moment of growth. There's a moment of hope. There's a moment. But the first one, the bird comes and eats it and it's over. So is that him letting them know that not everybody will receive it and you have to understand that you're not? Is that part of that, like the recognition that not? I don't know. It's just weird to me that all of them have a moment of hope. Except that Except one. for that first one. I would say, do we stop throwing seeds out because they've all been eaten? No, we continue to throw okay. the seeds out. But is it so to let people know that you're going to have to keep going because sometimes people just aren't going to hear you? I, like, I, I don't know. I think that's where it is. Is that where we live today? We say it over and over and over and over and over. Immediate hard rejection. Yeah. Someone else goes on a retreat, they're all excited, and then next week, you know, they're back Hmm. I think it also kind of just wraps in like harvesting like you're not always going to get what you sow like you're not always when you're planting seeds not always going to grow Yeah. so that kind of goes to you got to always be growing that yourself yeah. with others so. very good Jesus is also giving you both sides of the equation you've got the heart condition but you've got the three enemies of the heart Satan, mm -hmm. the world, and your flesh <laughs> and he's teaching you both Great job, guys. All right. Let's spend just a few moments. Let's spend a few moments on application. <clears throat> application. What do we do with this? What, what could be some possible applications of a sermon like this? Now, Jesus always preached for application. I think if I was an outsider and like not a disciple, I'd be like, 
well, I just heard what you said and I don't understand it. So mm -hmm. like I have questions to come back to like, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. So I would think it's, and maybe that's the childlike part. I think somebody said earlier, like mm -hmm. kids aren't afraid to ask questions. They'll ask you a million questions. Mm -hmm. Why, 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 why? Yeah. Kids. We should ask more why. It's interesting yeah. when he's yeah. talking about the mystery that the disciples are clued into, mm -hmm. but the general crowd is not. Mm -hmm. And to summarize what he's saying, I think Lindsay's saying this a little bit, always leave the crowd wanting a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a component to that to where they're not relying upon what they understood, yeah. but wanting more from Jesus. Yes. And that's exactly what he says. Yeah. Come to me. Yeah. It's good. I like it. Um, I what else? So I think that um, like he places it in a position that he doesn't have to explain himself to the crowd. Like he gives them a parable and gives them the opportunity to um, interpret it in the way that's suitable for them. But at the same time, like I feel he feels an obligation to his disciples to actually explain what it means because they will be the one preaching the word after he's gone. It's good. Yeah. Yes. I'm trying to weed out seeds that might be already in rocky soil and find the seeds that mm. are curious and want to ask him the questions. I don't know. Yeah. Like by not explaining, just leaving yeah. them to yeah. wonder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's yeah. value in people having to work, sort of, you know, contemplate and do something with the word rather than it being totally revealed to them uncovering you know the uncovering of the person that's hearing the word yeah good yes Dan and you're like oh well, I want to be you know the good soil and you get to read whether you're a Christian or not but then it really just says God's word so I mean I don't know that these people really understand that he's Messiah believes in Jesus mm -hmm. Yes. Dan? Great observation, Dan. This is great, guys. Um, okay. I'm sorry. Yes, Jen. Under the application of verse 11, the very end of verse 11, I love that he says, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders. And so the application for me that I hear in that is how am I meeting people where they are? What language am I using? Am I learning their language and their story? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes, John. I, I, I was tagging along there because I was thinking that he may, be, may as well be even talking to us tonight. Yes. And this is what he wants us to be doing, is talking about it. Yes. We may not understand it, but through getting together and talking about yes. it. Yes, which I love that because in some of what we've lost that was in this culture was an oral tradition, you know, where it was, um, you know, there weren't copies of the scriptures in this way um, until, you know, scribes would write them. They were very precious. And then when they could be reproduced in the third, fourth, fifth century and, and so on. But it was an oral tradition. It was storytelling. It was sitting by the fire, having conversations. Um, and that was part of it was dialogue and question asking. And um, yeah, that was the way that, that learners came to understand. So I love this, guys. Wonderful. That sounds so obvious, but yeah. he's planting the seed because again, yeah. he talks about how you have to know God or you have to know. Well, you have to set a yearning so you would interact to create that, that yes. source, right? If it was just so obvious that you just got it, you didn't have to yearn for it. It would be like, okay, two plus two is four. Next. Like you would just move on, right? But to do that relationship that you were talking about, like that knowing, yeah. there has to be like a yearning and yes. effort. And it has to take time. It can't be instant. So I feel like he's, again, not to sound cheesy, but he's planting the seed to try to start the dialogue to make you want to come back. Because again, if you just figured it out all at once, you'd be like, okay, check, next, and you could move on. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I want to show you what it may have been like. Jesus the Preacher. So this is The Chosen, season three, episode eight, and this is the parable of the sower. seem to threaten and repulse others. <coughs> and so as I said, I'd like to respond with a story. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. Immediately they sprang up, for there was no depth of soil. And immediately they sprang up, for there was no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. And since they had no root, they withered away. The thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked them. And the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some, <coughs> some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. <laughs> All right, what did you notice from that as we read? He wasn't in a boat, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to filming in Texas. That's right. That's awesome. So, the parable of the sower, I think, is captured in two other gospels. The Lord make his face shine upon you. What's happening? Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face. Hey, I do like that blessing, though. Okay. Are we good? Okay. 
Um, what, so what did you guys notice here, other than that he wasn't in a boat? The parable of the sower, I think, is in two other Gospels, and I don't think it's mentioned that he's in a boat in, in both of them. So that may have been he pulling from... Peter's. Yeah. yeah. They were good at telephone. Yeah, yeah telephone, telephone game. The original microphone system. People yeah. Kept People kept coming. What else? What did you feel like, you know, we, we talk about this, like when we can use an instrument like this or a piece of art like this, which it really is, um, you know, what, it, what feelings, you know, come as you listen to Jesus, the preacher? How did you experience that as you listen to him preach? I think it's easy to forget, like people are sitting on the earth. Like, they're sitting on dirt, like, who knows where they came from, how long they walked to get there, like, just to hear his teaching. Yeah. There weren't pews. Like, we didn't get a notebook when we walked yeah. in. There's no coffee. Like, it was just, they're outside. Yeah. yeah. I have a question. Just, like, I always, like, bring context. So, like, in this, did everyone know that this was, Great question. I mean, I think, and someone mentioned crowds. Just they just people just kept coming. Yeah. And I think you know there were it's it's um, it's inf- I'm inferencing, yeah. but obviously some people had had probably seen him before, had firsthand knowledge of him, had even maybe met him before. Other people they had heard that they had heard they had heard. There were two, three, four, five people removed from that. Some, um, some came because they thought there might be food. Some came because they, yeah. some, because they some, thought they might see a miracle. Some, sometimes a crowd, as we know even today, draws a crowd. Yeah. So sometimes you, you're just like, I don't know why we're gathering, but we're gathering, and <laughs> there must be something going on. So I think to answer, I think it's probably all kinds of different people. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think what I felt, just to say on this one, um, is I, I had never thought about in those large crowds, how sound would be amplified unless they were on the water, which they were sometimes, but how this probably was accurate that, that, that he would preach as loud as he could and then the disciples would spread out and, 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 and repeat. And in that way, I, as I watched, I thought, man, he's also training his disciples how to preach and, and helping them to, to, to stand in front and to be able to deliver you know, the word that way and um, genius. You know, way to train them as well. Go ahead, Michael. I have one yeah. more thought on that too, because uh, I feel like they were broken into groups. So somebody organized them a little bit to say, "You take that bunch over there. You stand here. You take that group over there." So we're not talking over each other. But I also feel like they did this also too when they were five and two. When that miracle comes out, they split up again. Hey, we'll split you guys up in groups, and and you can feed this group. You can feed this group. So I think. I think there was a population control of making sure that people were seen and handled within those groups. And yeah. That way it wasn't just like some guy goes out in the middle and yells across, but he was probably trying to have eye contact with the group that he's in. It's like, 
Chris announced me he stood up in his chair, you would all look at him and he would have your eye contact and so you would be listening. And I think that's what they were doing for the others. And I think that's how you have to shoot it in a, in a video. But I think that's really uh, almost exactly how it happens. If you've ever been to Israel and you've been, now it's a banana uh, grove on the Mount of Beatitudes. But if you've ever been there, we were there the first time. We were sitting in a grain field. And uh, we had two storytellers going on at the same time. And I was one of those, and a guy named Ray was one of those. And we would go back and forth, and we thought, whoa, mm. we saw it firsthand. This is how this works. And so for me, that's how I see it. But I do believe that's kind of how it breaks out a little bit. But I believe that's part of his preaching, and I believe it's part of his organization of just saying, the time's going to come when we're too big to speak to everybody. Mm -hmm. How do we break that down? And, I, and I'm not trying to bait this because I don't know where this class goes. I'm just saying that. <laughs> but that made sense to me. So. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. But it also seems like it was setting an example for mm -hmm. what he was saying, yes. what he was trying to teach us for sure. or the people there to do. Mm -hmm. like, this is, we're saying, it, I thought it was interesting that Bear said three times and then other people are watching it. Like, you go and you do the same thing. Yeah. I also think it's interesting too. Yes, the same, language. same language. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's do a little bit. Are, are everybody with me? We're together? All right, here we go. Um, let's jump into the different soils just really quickly um, since we're in this text. And I just created a little slide here. Um, if you're a note taker, you know, we, we've talked about this in, in our observation and interpretation, even in our application, but you have three types of, or uh, four types of ground or soil, if you will, the, the hard, the hard, hard, or hard path. Um, and of course, Jesus is teaching about his number one topic, the kingdom. And he's talking about how the kingdom, you know, uh, is cultivated in your heart. Um, and the kingdom begins in your heart. It works its way from the inside out. And we've talked about this, but how, you know, religiosity is basically working its way from the outside in. Um, where following Jesus in the kingdom is about your heart and cultivating the kingdom in your heart and it, it, it literally growing out of your heart. So then it becomes your words, your actions, and it comes from the inside out. So we have the hard path. Um, and I just put the scripture references there, not only in the sermon, but in his teaching and our interpretation to the disciples, the corresponding ones. Does that make sense? Um, and, then, and then the thorns or the strangled heart and then the rocky ground and the good soil, the, the open heart. Um, and I think what I just wanted to—I just wanted to capture them all in one slide here, so we're, we're kind of you know taking notes on them. But I think as Lynn reminded us, you know, it's such—it's such a contemporary teaching, and as John said, Jesus could be teaching us this tonight, um, because all of them are so applicable to us tonight. They're timeless, um, and how he describes them. And I—I I do want to just um, invite us into a few moments of contemplating a little bit about you know where your heart might be in this season of your life. And someone mentioned earlier, like probably all four of these are a part of our life at any given time. And we kind of go in and out of them. But I think it is important to kind of know where is my heart now? Um, and what would be, you know, which one would I identify most with right now? Um, and here's what I would say. If you're, if you were like, I'm the, I'm the good soil. That's, and that's awesome. I would say, I would challenge you to think about which one of these is kind of your go-to path 
other than the good soil. Because obviously all of us are, we want to cultivate good soil. We'll talk about that in a moment. But if, you, if it was the hardened heart or the path of the rocky ground or the thorns, which one from the story do you find your heart kind of going towards um, and why? So I'm going to give us, move us to a little bit of um, just thinking about this together and then in the group, if you're willing, here's, here's how I would suggest doing it. And, and Jen kind of had us do this the first week. If you're willing to share with someone in the group, or if it's an odd number, you know, maybe, you know, one to three or just, you know, pair off in threes or, or in twos and just share, you know, which one of these, where am I at right now? And I would just challenge you, uh, maybe don't say the good soil, you know, like if you are there, that's wonderful. That maybe, that, I mean, if that's where you are, that's great. But I would say, which one of these do you get drawn into, you know, other than the good soil? Cause we all want to be in that, of course. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you have a little bit of time, you want to talk about how can you be open more to the kingdom and the good soil in your life, um, how could you do that? So let's take a couple minutes and talk about that kind of one-on-one or one-on-two. And then if you want to share some in the, in the full circle of your group, you can, and then we'll come back together. Everybody good? Okay.
items. All right, guys, one more minute. Just one more minute, we'll come back together. I'm going to I'm going to bring us back together. <laughs> okay, we're going to we're going to we're going to finish guys with a with a final teaching. Um, I I hate breaking you up, but let's come back together, guys. Got to um Got two educators in the back of the room, so they're gonna help me out here. Um, man, I love I love that you guys are connecting and, and conversation is so rich. Um, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but I do want to just give a, a final teaching um, in our scripture tonight that I think is really powerful as we think about you know this this number one topic. Remember that Jesus preached about um, the kingdom of God and how to cultivate the kingdom in your life and. You know, we talked about the, the parable of the sower and the, the truth of God's word, finding hopefully good soil as cultivating good soil for it to take root, produce a harvest. And so we talked about, yeah, the kingdom begins in our heart and Jesus is after our hearts. But I think what's really interesting in John 4, um, as we advance in our text, and I know many of you read, read this this week, um, that what follows this teaching about the word finding good soil in your heart and producing you know, a harvest um, are these really tangible things that come out of the kingdom in your heart. And, and the kingdom moves from your heart to your hands, if you will, that you're, you're meant to cultivate the kingdom. And I think this is beautiful. Tim Keller has a wonderful teaching on this, if you want to um, look it up from Mark 4. But he talks about the three parables that follow the parable of the sower and the teaching um, of the sower and the seeds are the parable of bringing light um, and I just put the reference up here from Mark 4, 21 through 25. 
and then the farmer sowing seeds, which is akin to what we heard in the beginning of Mark 4 and verses 26 and 20 through 29. And then the par parable of the tree bringing shade, which is the parable of the, the mustard seed, some of your text might say, which uh, is the smallest type of seed. Remember, Jesus said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, it can move a mountain. But the faith, the, a mustard seed grows into the largest garden plant. Um, so from something very small comes something very large. And, and what Keller talks about in his book, Generous Justice, um, with this parable, or I'm sorry, with these three parables and following this teaching or this sermon that Jesus the preacher gives is that bringing light is really about um, works and acts of justice. That as we engage a really dark world that's full of injustice, um, that's full of brokenness, um, full of all kinds of things that were meant to be light and um, bringing light into dark places and, and bringing you know, justice where we can bring justice and the kingdom of God and the ethic of God um, into, into places and, and God knows our world needs that. Um, so part of cultivating the kingdom is, is, is out of our hearts we move into different places and for some of us that's a call to bring light into dark places in your family, in your neighborhood, in your business, um, that you're bringing the light of God's kingdom into those, those places. And then the second parable that follows is, is sowing seeds. And what Keller says about this is some of you are called to a, a kingdom ministry, if you will, or your hands are meant to participate in cultivating good things. Um, so it might be that you know, God calls you or your family to help start a nonprofit or um, to, to join a work in the city or um, to be a part of something in your neighborhood or your family, or, but you're cultivating goodness in the, in the world and you're, you're demonstrating the kingdom way of life. Um, you know, remember Jesus said, they'll, they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, that you're, you're cultivating goodness um, and sowing seeds, um, whether it's through your words or your actions. And then finally, I love this one, um, you know, bringing, bringing shade or from the parable of the mustard seed and, and Keller's interpretation of this, again, in, in succession in Mark 4, is that um, this is, you know, living generously, that you're, you're planting seeds, whether it's you're starting an organization or you're, um, you're helping someone, you know, connect with someone because they don't have social connections or relationships. Um, you're being generous with basically what God's given to you. And so other people are able to sit under basically your tree. Um, so the, the, the kingdom that's growing in your heart and producing this big garden plant, if you will, to use the parable, other people are coming and enjoying respite of shade in your life, um, which is kind of a cool metaphor, you know, to think about who can come out of the, the desert sun and, and get, you know, relief from the heat from my life. Um, who am I providing shade for in my life? And so he talks about justice, cultivation, and generosity as ways to move in the kingdom and for the kingdom to come alive in your heart by, you know, the word of God being planted in good soil, but it also being evidenced in these ways. So maybe a reverse way to just finish our teaching tonight to think about, man, like with the things we confessed with each other, which is really what we're doing. These are our proclivities. These are the, these are the types of soil that we move towards, whether it's a hardened heart or a shallow, um, you know, heart or, or cares of this world, still, stealing God's truth, whatever that might be for you. The, the idea is that, you know, as God's kingdom is being cultivated in my heart and there are seeds that are taking root, 
where am I finding evidence in these three ways where, man, I, I think I am bringing light to my kid's school or I am bringing light to the place I work um, or I am participating in something that is cultivating goodness in my community or my, in my family um, or I'm allowing other people, honestly, to, to sit in the shade of my life. Um, I'm not requiring something for them or, you know, using it, using them. I'm, I'm really just want to be generous, you know, with my life. So to me, that's a kind of a cool way to reverse back in to the beginning of Mark of how are these things, you know, showing me that the seed of God's truth is, is finding and taking root in good soil in my life. Um, okay. I want to finish tonight with um, having my friend share his journey. And so, you know, every, every night, I'm just going to have different friends come and share their journey of how they met Jesus, what difference he's made in their life. Because um, our whole class is about discovering Jesus. And the cool thing about hearing stories, as we heard from our master story Jesus tonight, is stories give us different perspective and they help us to understand all the different ways that, that God works and draws people to himself. So, Mike, I'm going to have you come forward and put this mic on, no pun intended. He doesn't need it, but we're <clears throat> recording for our friends who couldn't be here. Sitting in this room um, and hear the conversations both around me and, and the feedback. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, this is so powerful to me, and, and when Chris uh, called me and sent me a note and said, I want to share with you, uh, we're going to be sharing this story, I, it just blew my mind because um, I had just been in Anaheim, California with an organization called Young Life. Uh, there's about 5,500 people in the room who are staff, and we go there as friends of staff, which we've been a part of that organization for many years. And there was a screen that popped up, and it said, <clears throat> this afternoon there's a one-hour workshop on painting the scriptures. And I went, I'm going. <laughs> and so I went in this room. <clears throat> I was telling this story, I think, to Maddie and Sarah earlier. Or I was telling it to somebody. Who was I telling it to? Um, uh, oh, Jen. See, I can't remember who I am. Um, so, so I went to this thing, and lo and behold, she said, we're going to paint this uh, story of the sower. And I went, what the heck? Okay, I'll do that. And so she had these little pieces of paper, and I'm going like, that's good. I paint with a little paper. And she had some watercolors on the table and some brushes. And I go, that's some bad watercolor, but I'll use it. And I went, no, I won't, because I carry mine with me in a little Altoid box like this. <laughs> and so I was going, this will be fun. And I carried my brush, and I got my brush in my pocket everywhere I go. And so I thought, this will be fun. And so I told the folks at the table, don't do as I do. Listen to Annie, because I've, I've been painting through the scriptures this year. I started, or since March of 2020, I started in Matthew, and I'm up to 2 Thessalonians, but I stopped to go back and paint Matthew again online with some folks, and then John. And so I painted this parable. And so when Chris had it, he said, I'm going to show the chosen. I'm going like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. I, nobody can understand it, which is what I kind of like about it. Because <laughs> nobody can understand me anyway. <laughs> and then I looked back at my life and he said, I want you to tell your story real quickly. His name was Roy Vandergriff, and I'll get back to the painting, I promise. It's how I'm wired. Roy Vandergriff is not an East Tennessee name. You know, Larger Quest is not, and he lived down the road from me. Uh, no, I'm talking road, I'm not talking street. 
I'm talking just a little road, and now near Hog Holler and places like that. I grew up East Tennessee. Concord was on the zip code, and I grew up in a little community called Bluegrass. That was my nickname in high school. I drug a banjo around with me most places I went, so I just had Bluegrass written on my, and that's what they called me for a long time. And uh, so Roy was preaching at the church, and he preached the gospel, and I was not paying attention because I was writing my name in the back of the hymnal um, that said, please don't write in this book. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I tell people that, they don't believe it, but this is the hymnal. It's the Broadman hymnal in this little Baptist church, and it was published in 1951, and there's my name right there, and here it is right here. I was just learning, and I thought my name was Mac <laughs> until I was 14, because that's the way everybody said it in East Tennessee. They didn't say Mike, they said Mac. <laughs> And so there's a, there, I drew a picture. You could tell we, we, we could tell we did offering for missions. This is a little Chinese person that I drew for Lottie Moon. So we took up collection and for cookies we got and we sent money to China. So I wrote in this and <laughs> he gave the presentation of the gospel in John 3.16. And I felt something like I'd never heard. I was six years old. And I felt a call in my heart. And I literally got up and just ran down this little aisle. He said, you got to come forward and you got to pray because Jesus wants to be in your heart. And I'm going like, will he fit? <laughs> and, and there's a great story there about the little girl who says, how big was Jesus? You know, he's probably about 5'11 in that culture, 5'10, probably weighed 160 pounds. And she goes, okay, how big am I? And her dad says, well, you're about 40 inches and you weigh about 35 pounds, 40 pounds right now. And she goes, so he's 5'11 and 160 and I'm three, less than four feet. And if he's in my heart, is he not going to stick out somewhere? <laughs> and I wondered that as I went down. How does that even work? And, and I got to the front of this little church, and Charlie Robinson, who was my school bus driver, and Carl Loy, who took me on my first camping trip in Cades Cove in the western in the mountains of uh, Smoky Mountains, and my daddy and, and um, Paulette Bradshaw, I remember these names. They all came in, and they prayed for me, and they prayed for me out loud. And if you've never been in a small church, and they're praying, everybody's praying at the same time out loud. And I'm going like, it wasn't tongues, but it sounded like it. <laughs> and they prayed for me. And so I felt a little different. Maybe it was emotional at six years old, but I went home and my dad tried to explain, here's what happens when, when God's spirit comes into you. He, his spirit wants to take up residence in your heart. That's what he was talking to the disciples about. My dad had his Bible that I felt like it was huge. It wasn't that big. The seed had been planted. My family went to church. My dog went to church. <laughs> I promise you, I lived a mile from the church, and when my dog on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday prayer meeting, my dog was gone. Forty minutes before church was supposed to start, he I, we would get to church and he would be on the doorstep of church. <laughs> it took me until I was about ten years old to realize he was hearing the bell, and the bell meant community. And people rubbed his head. So I learned something from that too. There's a habit we need to get into on how we live and how we process. I didn't learn a lot, but I sang in church, I did all these things, and I remember as clear as a bell, when it rained, I needed to be somewhere. So I moved out of that town, 
and I got lost in just the thorns of life. Uh, it wasn't until I was 17 years old that I went to this Young Life meeting, and I went to Jenny Slagle's house because if you knew Jenny, you'd have gone to her house too. <laughs> and she invited me, and so I'm 17, I'm going like I'm at Jenny's house. <laughs> and so uh, this guy was playing this crazy 12-string guitar, and this guy stands up to give a message, and he starts, he says, tonight we're going to talk about this message from the Gospels. And I'm going like, this is really good. And I felt the feeling I felt when I was six years old. It was there. It was still in there. And I'm going to tell you what happened. He reached around behind him just like this. And I go, where did that Bible come from? And, and he opens up a J.B. Phillips, and it was a New English translation of the Bible. And he starts reading this story. And he tells this Jesus story. I was discovering Jesus again. But I was discovering things about him. And I... I what he told and how he told it affected me so deeply that I heard the bell ring again. This time it was a calling. I went, I want to do this. So I went up and I said, how come my high school doesn't have one of these meetings? I had to come over to Jenny's house. And she goes to this other school, but that was a good excuse to meet her. But my point was, is that why do I not have one of these? And they said, we're praying that'll happen. And, and they said, we're praying that some guy will lead this musically. And I go, does the guy have to be out of high school? I'm the guy. I felt the call. And so God used that to put in my life and use my gifting for me to realize I could play the guitar and lead those songs. So Alec, not by me asking or not by him volunteering, did he become my mentor? I just mentioned that to Maddie and Sarah. We were talking over here about being a mentor or a coach and they want to fix things all the time. He didn't say, I need to fix your brokenness. He just said, let's just hang out. I love this whole concept of when James and John see Jesus for the first time and, and John the Baptist says, there's the lamb that takes away the sins of the earth. And they start sort of following him, you know, and they're walking behind him like this. And he looks back and he says, what do you want? And they go, um, uh, where do you live? I love that. That's what they said. Where do you live? And he said, come and see. So it was a come and see thing for me. So that brought my heart to a different place. And so it was those seeds that were planted in me that I began to grow and feel the call of what God was doing in my life. And so that took Carol and I on seven different churches across here and planning this and doing that and doing things for young life and speaking and traveling and singing and who God put in front of me. And it made me leave college and go to work for a camp. And um, it was the best education I could ever have. And you know what's the first thing I got to do? You're not going to believe this. I, I, this just came to me this morning as I was thinking about this, Chris. The first thing that I had to do was I'm 20 years old, and I've got eight people reporting to me at this camp. And they said, we have 20 acres of pasture, and it's supposed to provide hay for all these animals, and it doesn't grow well. You need to fix it. And I'm going like, I don't know anything about planting. <laughs> and they said, figure out how to make it grow. I went and got the State Department, and I said, you better come over and teach me something about fertilizers. And he said, you got to remove the rocks out of these pastures first. And it just took me right back to this. So there's obstacles in your life that are causing you to hang up. you got to move them. And I've moved a lot. I will tell you this as I finish. This is what changed my life. A calling when I was young, knowing that God had a purpose for me, and believing that to the point that even though I struggle, I'll find it if I stay in tune to him. But here's the best way to discover Jesus, and this is what Alec told me, and this is what I told my boys when they were young. 
read Jesus' stories all the time. Just If you're not reading the Gospels, go back and read them. I wouldn't let my boys go to camp until they read Matthew. And they said, why are we reading this again? I'll say, you tell me. And they said, because things, Jesus is going to show up somewhere at camp because we're going to remember it. Somebody's going to say something, you know, I know what Jesus said about that. Crazy, but it's true. And so my boys today are passing on to their sons. One's still too young, but the other two, hey, you got to read Matthew before you go to camp. And they go, okay, we'll read it. And somebody will give them a message at camp and go, yeah, that's where Jesus did this. And I love that because it gets in their heart. So I think that's where those you constantly are sowing when you ask that question about those seeds a minute ago. I think that's what happens in our lives. And so for me, I told a guy I was going to pray for him one time, and I didn't. I felt really bad. So I prayed for him. And then I told another guy, I'm going to pray for you next week. And I forgot. I went, dang, I remembered it, but it was a day too late. You already had your surgery, so my prayer didn't count. And then I decided that I would just write them on little notes and put them on my studio wall. And when I sat down in the morning to paint, I'd look at those names and I'd start praying. And you know what happened? It changed my spiritual life. Within the last three years, God has grown me more toward better soil than ever before because I'm paying more attention to who I've been praying for. It's crazy. I've learned technology. (laughs) I'm texting prayers out. I paint with a group of people online. I didn't know these were journal Bibles. Oh my gosh, I'm painting through journal Bibles now where I'll read a story and then I'll paint a picture because I'm used to say ADD, ADHD, but now we know that's fast brain. (laughs) (laughs) So I take my fast brain and, and I paint a picture. And so that reminds me of that story, like, the one that I painted in in, uh, Anaheim. So here's the story you read tonight, painted. No, it's not an old cool. You could do this. Here's the seeds, and and, and the birds picked this up, and then some fell on the rocks, and it died, and here's the thorns. And I put a little barbed wire in there because that's what I know that chokes me out. And that's the stuff that I had to fight the most in the the pasture field. And then I, I put corn in wheat. I put the corn because... It's a, play, it's a play on words for me, and I love humor, and I love to do this for people online, and it says, he who has ears, let him hear. <laughs> but he who has corn ears, let him eat. And then I say, he who has food, let him share. And so you're a group of people who have something to share, and I think that's what you're supposed to do. You are supposed to be a light and a sower that sows seed and grows into a tree that gives others shade. And I think what'll happen is that God will work this in a a miraculous way. It's mystical, it's mysterious, but when you start sowing more seed, it's crazy what happens in your life. And I think as an old man, that's what's happened in mine. From the first call, okay, in uh, in this hymn book, 300, I didn't say that I was saved from all of my iniquities. I'm forgiven from it. My mother's saying this. You know what shape notes are? Anybody know what shape notes are? You know, they're not written notes like we know them in music school. They're they're shaped like do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. Like they're little triangles and circles and squares and we had shape notes. My mother would sing this. 
Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. And she would sing, come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. There's something about that progression that would just go boom, boom, boom. Home. Maybe Roy knew it. <laughs> they say it. And I read down front. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Come on. I think the greatest thing that the maker could say is come on. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to fall apart there at the end. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. All right, we're going to end it there, guys. Amazing. Um, okay, I just want to remind you, <clears throat> thank you so much, Michael. I just want to remind you next week of our, of our reading. Our assignment this week is Mark chapter 7 through Mark chapter 9. And we're going to talk about Jesus, um, the lover, and the miracle worker next week. Mark chapter 7 through 9. All right, let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for... My friends, uh, thank you for this sweet time that we could be together and share stories and hear you tell stories. And thank you for the story that continues to bring us back to that word that Michael gave us tonight um, about coming home to you. And so I pray for each of my friends in the room tonight that, that they would hear that message and they would hear your words um, come home. Thank you for the chance to discover more of who you are, Jesus. And I pray for my friends as we go tonight that as we read Mark 7 through 9 this week as we have conversations, we think about what we heard, you would continue to, to plant seeds that will go deep in our heart and bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.